Hello and welcome to The Plants We Eat. This is a podcast where we investigate the history, science, and culture behind the plants that we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman and I'm the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. And I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor from Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte and a garden coach enthusiast. And today we're going to uh, go with a go with a season appropriate plant here, the cranberry. Very appropriate. Very appropriate. Yes. And you know, I always think about when I think about cranberries before we get into the plant. You ever think that that Irish group, the cranberries, you know, they're <laughs> Irish, so how could they have anything to do with cranberries? You know, I I hadn't thought of it, but now I have. Okay. okay. <laughs> Because the cranberries, I mean, you hear about as American as apple pie. Apples aren't American. You think about uh, peaches as American. I mean, peaches aren't American. You think of corn as American. Well, okay, if you're going with South America, uh, <laughs> cranberries are a real American food. That's right. In fact, 98% of them are produced in Jersey alone it, for yep. the world consumption. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. In Jersey. In Jersey. You think you think <laughs> that you think that nothing grows in Jersey. But right. of course, New Jersey is the garden state. <laughs> That's right. You know, again, to get off topic here, if you actually go to New Jersey, it actually is except for its uh, industrial areas and its uh, and its you know, urban areas, it actually is quite a beautiful it state. It is a beautiful state, especially its beaches, I think. Yeah, it has it has some great beaches. It has some great forest land um, when you get into those now, regions. Now, let's talk. Now, what is your—do you like cranberries? No. You don't? I really don't like cranberries. Because I was going to ask you what your favorite cranberry dish was. I have a good one. So, so cranberries can be uh, used in certain things mm-hmm. that make them good, but cranberries by themselves, cranberry sauce— um, just, just not wild about. So, uh, but now that you've said it, go ahead. Tell me what. <laughs> tell me what you like. Well, so I like cranberries uh, cooked mm-hmm. and um, mixed with apples and mandarin oranges and nuts. Oh, okay. And yeah. it's really it's a great hit for Thanksgiving. So um, it's one of my favorites. Now they have a big cranberry festival in Wisconsin. Yes. There are there Which is so, strange, right? Isn't so it? New Jersey is where most of your cranberries come right. from, but Wisconsin, I believe, is number two. Okay. Okay. So. I believe you. It, it just makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Cranberries uh, are in a group of plants that includes about 450 species. Uh, closely related to cranberries includes blueberry, bilberry, huckleberry, cowberry. This is a, this is a group with a lot of different a lot of different foods in it. One of the neat things, so cranberry is an evergreen shrub, actually holds its leaves for a long time. One of the neat things about this plant, one of the things that I think is neat about this plant is that the fruit of the, the berry itself is actually larger than the leaves. I mean, that's just something that strikes me. How often do you see something? You're where, right. You're right. It, <laughs> it, it, that is true because it is super large. It's much larger than the leaves. Yeah. The leaves are relatively small. On that plant. The flowers are really beautiful, too. Have you seen the flowers before? I haven't looked for them. I haven't spent much it's time. Mu- uh, really reflexed petals and the and the reproductive parts really stick out there for pollination. That sounds kind of dirty. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Okay. <laughs> I thought of beauty. But <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, so the cranberry, being a native plant, I mean, it was eaten by the Native Americans. And was actually introduced to to Westerners in uh, 1550. A group of Native Americans brought a gift of uh, cranberries to them. It, it is a very appropriate Thanksgiving Day feast because it was one of the plants that the Westerners found when they came over here, and one of the plants that they would have eaten. 
One of the things that I find interesting, again, about the cranberries, uh, Amelia Simmons. Have you ever heard of Amelia Simmons? Mm-mm. Well, she's an American orphan. At least <laughs> that's what she calls herself. <laughs> she wrote um, She wrote American Cookery in 1796. This is the very first American cookbook. And in American Cookery, she introduced herself as Amelia Simmons, an American orphan, and she actually introduced cranberry sauce as something to be served with turkey. Of course, once again, I have to admit that I think of cranberries as as one of the, (laughs) you know, on my Thanksgiving plate, I always get myself a little bit because you know you should, but invariably I eat like this tiny little square of it and then the rest just well, it's what can full I say? of everything else. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Fair enough. Um, in 1703, cranberries were served at Harvard's commencement dinner. Uh, cranberries were first cultivated uh, up in Cape Cod around 1816. But to me, the cranberries, one of the, the really fascinating things about them is the way they're grown. Cranberries are basically vines. They're, they're shrubby vines. And so often you see these cranberries. I mean, you, you're... Uh, you're watching the TV, and you see these guys standing in these pools of water harvesting cranberries. So you think to yourself, ah, cranberries must be some kind of water crop. No, <laughs> cranberries are not grown in water. But they are frequently, not always, but frequently harvested in water. And it's really cool how they do it. It's, it's amazing. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you talk about it, but I just did want to mention that about— 10% of cranberries are dry harvested, mm-hmm. which means people go through and actually pick the cranberries off the plants. But 90% are wet harvested. And I'll let you talk about wet harvesting. Okay. Well, it is really cool on how they harvest the cranberries. So first, they go through two water soakings. So they're planted in dry fields. And the farms, one in particular in Jersey, is over 100 years old. So they've created a topography on their farms where the fields can hold water for long periods of time, like dam it up, you know, and it's really Mm -hmm. cool. And yes, it does help that the plant only is seven feet wide, okay, (laughs) and only like two to eight inches tall. Eight, mm-hmm. not 18, eight. It's almost a ground cover. It's I mean, almost it's, it's, it's a ground, a ground cover. cover than a vine. You know, it really makes me think of the shrub cotoneaster. But, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, I can't get that out of my head. But why they do this has to do with ease of harvesting. To harvest them, they flood the farms and those berries let loose in the water, and then they direct the berries as they're floating in the water, like we've seen in the commercials with wooden paddles, into an area where they're collecting the berries for harvest. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. So they collect them right off the surface of the water. These that's, berries float, that's right. and, and the vines can take the flooding. I mean, that's right. not every plant could take this kind of flooding. That's right. And so— Ironically, the way these plants grow is right when they harvest the berry, there's a second one that seems to be forming on the plant. Mm-hmm. And so they um, they flood it again in December. Mm-hmm. And that preserves them. So those berries that are forming on the plant the previous year mm-hmm. do not are subjected to frost. Right, so the water actually protects the yes. plant over the winter. Yes. Neat. Isn't that neat? So then they drain it in the spring to allow the, the, the next year's crop to flower. What's amazing to me, I mean, the, the process you're talking about would be useful to protect any plant 
over the over the mm-hmm. winter, except that most plants couldn't take flooding for that period of time. You're right. So, it's it's so, really neat that they can. Right. Yeah. So the cranberry is just unique in, in that um, it can handle that much water around it for that period of time. I think what makes it exciting for me is that this is kind of simple, you know, uh, ingenuity that, mm-hmm. that somebody came up with, these farmers came up with over 100 mm-hmm. years ago when technology could, of course, take over, but they're still using I mean, there's nothing simple about the logistics of this, right. but it's a simple enough process. Right. And, and that's how it's done today after all these decades. It's really fascinating. It is. To me, it I, is. I'm sorry. I nerd out on that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, the cranberry, there, there are certainly all kinds of cranberry products that we have, but you know, most of these cranberries, cranberry products came out of a, uh, of a really tough time in, in the in the life of, of Cranberryville. Okay. You okay. I mean, you think of cran apple juice, you think of your craisins, you think of all those. These all came from uh, a really tough time in the life of the cranberry you know, development. Uh, of course, I mentioned before, cranberry sauce, we had that in 1796. The cranberry sauce was actually first sold uh, in 1912. The first canned sauce came out in uh, 1941. The guy who developed that, his name was Marcus Uran. He was really into cranberries. He's also, by the way, the guy who started uh, Ocean Spray. Uh, Ocean Spray is a conglomerate of cranberry growers, basically. It has uh, over 700 member growers, and actually about 75% of the world's cranberries come from that group, from the Ocean Spray group. So having said that, 1959 is the year that the cranberry industry changed from basically, you obviously had your cranberry sauces and your straight cranberries, but it really diversified after 1959. And the reason for that is the huge cranberry scare of 1959, which most people don't remember today, but it was a very, very big deal. See, what happened was there was this report that an herbicide, there's a pesticide used to kill plants, an herbicide was applied to some of the cranberries and the cranberries were testing positive for this pesticide. When the cranberries tested positive for this pesticide, it had to be reported and they had to be yanked from the shelf. And the reason for that is because of the year before, 1958. In 1958, the Delaney Clause was passed. Do you remember the Delaney Clause or at least hearing about the Delaney Clause? I mean, not much, so I'm, I'm really but looking you, forward. Yes, yes. I mean, you heard of it. Yes, I've heard right. of it, but I don't know the details, so I'm looking okay. forward to this. All right, so the Delaney Clause was a 1958 amendment to the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and what it did was to ban um, from food any artificial substance that could be shown to cause cancer in lab animals. Of course, the Delaney Clause had some serious problems. It failed to recognize that, uh, first of all, lab animals aren't humans. It also overlooks the fact that many, many natural substances can cause cancers. And it really doesn't look at uh, dose very, very closely. So you Here can we have go. stuff. Right. <laughs> it was uh, retracted in, let's see, 1996 because of these problems. But that was 1996. Back in 1958, this amendment was passed and it was first used on cranberries because the shipment of cranberries was found to have an herbicide which had been shown to Mm. cause cancer in lab rats. So that was a really uh, big deal. 
Um, it was actually a relatively small portion of the cranberry crop from the Pacific Northwest. So it wasn't even a, a large amount of cranberries that tested positive, but, you know, people tend to overreact. Um, ocean Spray actually argued that a person would have to consume carloads of these cranberries to have any ill effect. But despite that, Arthur Fleming, who was the Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, that uh, basically if you couldn't determine the origin of the berries uh, to be on the safe side, you shouldn't buy them. And basically what that meant was that a $50 million a year business collapsed overnight. Eisenhower, the president of the time, actually refused, uh, or I should say, I shouldn't say refused, I should say, did not eat cranberries with his Thanksgiving meal that year. What this did to the industry was to cause them to try and think of other ways to make money and diversify, and that's what they did. They looked for uh, different ways to get money besides uh, just the cranberries themselves. Of course, one of these ways was um, was the craisins. Now, let me. Are you a craisin fan? I am actually. Are you really? In salads. So craisins are just the weirdest. <laughs> you don't like I actually, them? I I like them okay. They're not bad, but I craisins like they're not really. I mean, they, they are cranberries, but they're kind of a weird type of cranberries. But you know, if you have a salad with feta cheese and craisins and walnuts. <laughs> is, is that just the thing? Yes, that's the thing. <laughs> that's the simple version of a salad. Okay. Well, if you say so. <laughs> I, I, think, I think craisins are just kind of okay. I mean, basically w- what they are is uh, if you look at the ingredients, they're a combination of supposedly cranberries sugar, citric acid, elderberry juice concentrate, and sunflower oil. They actually claim that their product is uh, sectioned cranberries. But, you know, in 2009, the National Consumers League actually wrote to the Food and Drug Administration to tell them that Ocean Spray was actually making a snack that was cranberry skins infused with sugar syrup. And so they shouldn't, they shouldn't be calling it sweetened cranberries because actually it was just nothing more than cranberry skins. And when you think about the craisins, they do look like just cranberry skins. Okay, that, okay. They're supposed to be just, you know, packed with this just stuff. totally burst my, I'm not eating sugar bubble now. Well, when they dry these things out, there's a lot of sugar in those craisins. Sure. And you can actually buy lower sugar craisins, but the regular craisins are, well, I'm not going to call them off the charts. Because actually, most of your fruits are pretty high in sugar, and they're actually not that different. Raisins than, are too, so I, right. it doesn't surprise me. I shouldn't be surprised, right. all, but now I'm kind of disappointed. They're all high in sugar, I know, but you think cranberries, because you think of them as being sour, they actually have a lot of sugar in them, and they're pretty much, well, craisins themselves are, I would say, slightly more than many of your other dried fruits, but not a lot, but not a lot more. Mm-hmm. Look, when you have a fruit, it's naturally high in sugar, and then when you dry it or take the water out, you concentrate that sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's easy to forget that, but that's, that's really what's happening. So the other thing about cranberry juice, which, you know, I had always heard that cranberry juice was great for UTIs or urinary tract infections. Sure. And there's actually a decent amount of research done on this. The problem is that a lot of this research is conflicting. Clinical studies on the efficacy of cranberry juices and extracts for the prevention of UTIs are conflicting. 
there are a number of different studies. But uh, despite all the conflicting, what, what, just to, you know, I should explain what cranberry juice is supposed to do. What cranberry juice actually does is to prevent uh, bacteria from connecting to the wall of the bladder. However, some of the data shows that the concentrations of the cranberry juice, the, the good elements of the cranberry juice, just aren't high enough to do that uh, just by drinking it. But at the same time, there are certain analyses which show that you know, when you, when you track a group of, of people and those that do and don't consume cranberry juice, those that do consume cranberry juice do seem to have you know, somewhat of a, of a lower occurrence of UTIs. Um, the bottom line, there's a, a particular um, researcher, uh, Courtney Moore, and I, I liked what she said because it seemed appropriate to me. The bottom line is that cranberries can't hurt and it certainly may help. And that's kind of, after, yeah. after reading some of this stuff, I was like, you know, it, um, it, certainly it's not a, a golden bullet, but in many cases, or at least in some cases, a significant number of cases, it seems to help. And, you know, it's drinking juice. It can't be that bad. Right. <laughs> so, so I would say that it's certainly worth a try based on my reading. Well, that's what I was kind of thinking when you were saying that the, it was inconclusive, yeah. you know, to be definitive. So what would it hurt? Right, exactly. What would it hurt? Would it's it cranberry hurt? juice. Have you ever grown cranberries? I have never grown cranberries. I thought being up north, you might. No, again, Wisconsin, they're big. I've, right. I've seen them growing, but I've never seen them growing in a production setting. Um, I've, I've had many types of cranberries and never really liked uh, any of them. I, I find them to be sour and... Um, they're like an apple, don't yeah. you think? Cran, cran raspberry juice. Okay. I actually kind of like that. Okay. So. All right. Well, um, if you wanted to grow cranberries and you lived up north, you're going to have better luck than we would here because they need about three months of 32 to 45 degree temperatures to um, to trigger the dormant phase. I see. So they and the, and they uh, on top of that, which is more in the south. Is uh, they need um, a pH of less than five. Right. Well, re do you remember when we talked about blueberries a few weeks ago? Uh, these are very similar blueberries. Yes. Remember, it was a cranberry grower who figured out how to grow blueberries. Yes. Yes. So maybe maybe there's there's hope <laughs> because they are a pretty little plant with their little leaves and they're really large sized. Would fruit. you can, would you consider them as an ornamental? Yes, I would. Of course. Okay. It's a ground cover, you know, seven feet. Uh, yeah, I was I was really impressed. Yes. Well, in a and and they they don't need a second one to pollinate. You know, they mm -hmm. can be pollinated by bees. You know, in commercial settings, the they have to. Uh, rent commercial bees <laughs> to pollinate them. I always thought that was kind of Well, fun. I mean, that's what they do out west for a lot of different They do, fruits. I know. That's not, that's not that big of a deal. I think it's neat to have a plant here that they can't do, or they have a plant in Jersey that they can't produce better out in California. Good point. I like that, too. In, in, in southern Jersey, of all places, or, or northern Jersey. Why, now, why don't you ever say new when you say Jersey? Because oh. you know, it's a New Jersey, because Jersey is a place in, you know, Okay, I don't in, know. In Britain. I don't know. Okay. When you can. It was Jersey cow. New Jersey. Okay, New Jersey. Right, I'm a okay. little happier now. All right, good. Okay. It's all about making you happy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but yes, I would love to uh, try to grow these, but I don't, there's just no hope. 
There's just no hope. Not we, here in we, the South. No, we don't have three months of 32 to 45 degrees, only because, you know, some days it can be 70. Mm-hmm. And that would mess up the biological process of the dormant phase. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you for bringing uh, this fruit up for us to do. Oh, I, it, was, it was my pleasure to bring it up. Always great to talk about an American original. An American original. I like it. Well, thank you for joining us for The Plants We Eat. This has been a production of UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens, along with College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at the University of Charlotte and the IL Group. We look forward to talking to you next week.